everybody, welcome back to the podcast. It is time for the daily. Hope you are ready for a wonderful hump day. Everyone gets me every time. <laughs> I mean, just just gonna make. I'm gonna bring it back. Like Berm's bringing the dad back. I'm gonna normalize uh, the hump day again. Of the mind of a six year old. <laughs> well, yeah, that's. I think uh, a lot of our listeners do as well. <laughs> Some don't. Some aren't appreciating uh, those references, but you know. I'll grow up someday. Yeah, maybe. So uh, that's Bill Landis. I'm Austin Ward, and we are going to dive into uh, Bill's look uh, as we teased it on Tuesday at the running backs. He's got a series going on at OhioState.Rivals.com that's uh, a look at you know, the present, and the future. Not so much the past. We're moving on from that in the off season. No, we don't. Yeah, we don't need to look back at the past. Like, we, I've heard about Zeke Elliott in there, like in <laughs> 2014 and 15. They were really good. Yeah, that was a good group. J.K. Dobbins was pretty good. Set some records. He was. Yeah, I, I think. As we looked at this group throughout spring, where they were so short-handed, Bill, it was like, how's this going to work once they get back? Because even if you just had to pick between a healthy Chip Trainum and a healthy Dallin Hayden, that might not be straightforward either. I, I really don't know that there's anything straightforward about this other than if you're going to tell me that Trevion Henderson is going to be 100% healthy all year, then, then obviously he is involved, but... Uh, involved, he he's probably your 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 leader. Um, certainly the the probably most explosive, biggest potential game breaker that you have. But you need more than one, as we've seen uh, over the last several years. You need more than one, um, and they have five that I think could do the job if if they want to. I thought maybe the biggest surprise to this of this to me is is that they've gotten to the point they didn't lose one. And I think maybe we discussed that a little bit when we were talking about transfer portal stuff, but. I don't know, like how, just how surprised are you that we were talking about the loaded room throughout all of spring, and then we get to the end of spring and past the transfer portal window, and here they are, but still all five of those guys on the roster. Quite, quite yeah. surprised. I, I think deep down, if you had given some some truth serum to the staff and they were, you know, talking about it public, publicly or freely, they would say that they probably thought that one of those guys would elect to move on, and you know, I, I'm not sure that it's a Tremendous mystery who that might have even been, um, just given the situation and how you know more established the rest of that depth chart is. Maybe ahead of Evan Pryor. Again, this is not any desire on his part to leave. He he came, showed up at Ohio State and signed with Travion Henderson with in, the intent to share the load. Uh, these guys were sort of you know playing next level chess and save some wear and tear to get to a second NFL contract. That's how good both of those guys are and can be. And that was also their mindset when they got here. And I guess the only question then was, would Evan Pryor have that patience? He's still working through rehab. He didn't have an opportunity throughout spring. And a lot of other programs would be more than willing to drop a bag of cash to get him to sure. sign up. Like, that's sort of the concern for Ohio State. Wasn't that Evan Pryor was unhappy? Wasn't that they don't think he has a role? Wasn't any of that? Just like, you've now got Chip Trainum staying there. You've seen what he could do. You're going to have a healthy Mayan Williams and a healthy Travion Henderson. You have Dallin Hayden going into year two. It's like, okay, well, that's suddenly – stacking up to be a lot of competition for somebody who's not played a lot of football. How does that manage? I think it's uh, it should go down as a mark of encouragement for Evan Pryor that he's not phased by any part of that or that he will just like, all right, it's hard. I should probably just take the money and run. Well, I think, I think that situation was complicated because he wasn't able to do anything this spring. Maybe had he gone through the spring and performed the way he did in, in last year's spring game, I think a lot of people would have taken a shine to Evan Pryor and maybe thrown that bag of cash on him like you're suggesting or gotten in his ear and say, like, hey, man, 
we think you're a really special player. We don't think it's going to happen for you on the field for Ohio State this year, but it can happen if you come with us this year. I think and maybe those conversations happened, happened either way. I think they could have been heightened had he been able to perform this spring, but he wasn't able to. But like, I still think there's something for him in, in this room. The, the thing that he has working in his favor is that he is different, I think, from everybody else in, in the room. Um, maybe a little similar to Trevion if you had to pick someone that he's similar to, but I don't. I don't think anyone has his ability. Like, I think Evan could be a slot receiver if they wanted to make him a slot receiver. No one else in that room can do that. Um, I think, like, Trevion can catch a swing pass, but but he's not going to run, like, the full route tree. I think Evan Pryor can run a, a decent ch- size of the route tree if they asked him to. How they incorporate that, I, I don't know. We've not really seen Ohio State do that much under Ryan Day. You have to go back to, like, Curtis Samuel to find a, a guy they used kind of in that split role between running back and, and um, receiver and – not to bring back like H-back conversations because I don't think that's a direction that the offense is, is, is going in, but I think there's a way to utilize that skill set even in a room where they have so many guys and, and five guys who want to touch the ball. Um, I don't think it's going to be like a lost year for Evan Pryor, but it, it makes it even more difficult, I think, on Tony Alford to figure out a way how to use all these guys. I think you were lucky enough to mention the, uh, to avoid – that period where Urban Meyer arrived here and was calling it the Percy position and the pivot. Like that's I what, missed that. Yeah, yeah I, I think you were up, lucky that you were able to avoid that. I showed up in 14, and uh, there was still some confusion of, like, what's the H stand for? Like, is it is it the hybrid? Is it a halfback? Uh, is it, like, H, like traditional slot receiver H? And I don't even know if that was ever really uh, explained all that well. But no, I was not. I did not hear it called the pivot or the Percy position. <laughs> thankfully, yeah. that was uh, that was a different time, and a different <laughs> age. And then the first few people that they tried there, it didn't quite connect. And Jordan Hall and Dontre Wilson trying to get that going, it didn't didn't quite happen. Yeah, Braxton Miller in 2015, who Braxton was on a podcast recently and said like he didn't know how to run routes and was just like freelancing when he was on the field playing receiver. Not that that wasn't apparent when he was out there, but it was <laughs> it was funny to hear him say that. Uh, yeah. It's weird how that offense never really clicked. Huh? Yeah, strange. Um, Curtis Samuel really did take it to another level, and then that opens up the Curtis Samuel conversation, which was, well, we want to count up the number of touches and get involved, and Ohio State really boxed itself in, I think, at times, as good as and great as Curtis Samuel was, like if if that becomes the situation for Evan Pryor, like that's what makes it hard to figure out the usage for all four or five of these guys. Like you'd love if you could get a healthy Evan Pryor ten touches a game. That doesn't seem realistic in a world where you're also trying to get double digit carries for Mayan Williams or Travion Henderson or Dallin Hayden or Chip Freenham. Like that's if you're trying to get to ten each. You're talking about 50 snaps. Yeah. Like, that's not going to work. No, it's not going to work. And and I, I have said before that I, I do think they're going to lean on the run game a little bit more early on because of the new quarterback and, and the offensive line situation. But there's no guarantee that the offensive line is going to be a really good run-blocking line. I think they are a better run-blocking line right now than they are a pass-blocking line. But does it mean they are, they're excelling at it? We'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. But I think given that sort of reality of we don't know what this offensive line is going to look like, they probably will need a little bit more of a hammer at running back, mm-hmm. so that probably lends itself to Mayan Williams and, and Chip Trainum, who I, I, is like a faster version of Mayan Williams, which is, is how Tony Alford <laughs> described him. I was like, well, that doesn't sound great for Mayan. <laughs> if, you have a, if you have a guy who does all those things, but he's also faster, I don't know how that's going to work. But I think both those guys you could maybe see get work earlier, maybe a little more of that share earlier as that offensive line starts to gel, and then in theory when that line starts to hit its stride, then maybe you can throw a Dallin Hayden at him, throw a Travion at him, and start hitting him this way instead of 
just trying to push them forward up the middle. Do you think there's any possibility? Because this sounds to me similar to, all right, you're going into C.J. Stroud's first year as a starter a couple of years ago. You're going on the road to play a Big Ten opponent. It's like, well, they're going to have to bring their running game to win like these first couple of weeks because you're breaking in a new quarterback. You don't know what's going to happen. And then suddenly they're just like, no, nah, by week two we're going to throw it 50 times with C.J. Stroud <laughs> to try and win the game. Like, because you know what you have at wide receiver, and you, maybe if you're Ryan Day or Brian Hartline, trust the quarterback is going to be able to get the job done. If you picked him, you think he's going to be good. You don't need to put the training wheels on with the running back. I wonder if there's any part of that that's possible or that you think maybe that this, this depth and talent at running back means that they will be more willing to do that than they were a couple of years ago, although I don't know what would necessarily be different. Like, that's, the, that's also the factor that's hard for me to wrap my mind around right now. Well, I think the circumstances are different because in who, the week two game is Youngstown State, right? So in theory, Ohio State won't be losing at any point in that game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to throw the ball yeah, as, that's much as, they, as much as they did against Oregon in, in week two. But, no, I think it's on the table for sure. Like, whoever the quarterback is hits the ground running and, and you don't have to rely on the run game as much. I, I just remember, like, the – the 2019 season with Justin Fields, Ryan Day was like, listen, we're going to run the ball a lot at the beginning of the year because we have J.K. Dobbins and we love our offensive line. That worked out quite well for them. They went to Indiana in like week three and steamrolled them. It was like, oh, Ryan Day is not just like a air raid head coach. He actually knows how to orchestrate a physical run game. Sure. Um, so, like, I, I think it's on the table. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen. That's kind of my lean at the moment, which then makes the, the depth you have at running back sort of all the more um, beneficial. But even, even with that, like, you're not going to – you're not going to play five running backs, so I, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know how it's going to work out, other than to say like whatever they decide on, I think it's going to be good. But I don't like as someone who's watched all these guys, with the exception of Evan Pryor, like, play a lot of football. Like I don't know what I would do. I don't, I don't know who I would give the first touch to. I don't. Do you know who you'd give the first touch to? <sighs> no, I. I thought last year when both were reasonably healthy that Mayan was the most effective running back for Ohio State. Um, now, Travion was more injured than I thought he was, let's say, in October. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there were mental parts that he, he's alluded to himself as well that he had to overcome. Uh, he's trying to hit – he went through that so- sophomore slump a little bit like J.K. Dobbins did. We've talked about that a number of times with trying to you know, make every play a home run or a touchdown and maximize your carries. I, I feel like – if you have a truly healthy Travion Henderson, that he would, he's going to be more effective in a, the largest variety of ways. So he's going to be more effective out of the backfield than Mayan. He's going to, he's a lot more physical than he gets credit for. Uh, is he going to be as great of a blocker as Chip Trainum could be? Probably not. But I think the total package for Travion is probably better, and I think Ohio State will want to feature that. So. That would be my guess. I don't know. I, I that's a different answer for me today than it was, you know, three months ago, six months ago, whenever. Yeah, and it might change four times before the season starts with with all these guys coming back. Like I, I don't. I think you're right. Like I think I am inclined to agree with you, but then I also I think like Dallin Hayden to me is the most natural when it comes to vision. Like, does he have? I don't think he has. The long speed of probably anybody else in that room. I think even Mayan Williams will be faster than than Dallin Hayden if they raced. Yeah. Um. But I think that Dallin sees things better than everybody else in that room. And I don't know, like what, and maybe maybe how the line develops in camp will dictate exactly how that goes. Um. But like, if I'm being honest, like the 
Trevion's style of dancing a little too much and and perhaps being too patient. I, I don't know if that'll work behind an offensive line that that's working through some things early in the year. I, th- I think he might have to to adapt a little bit behind because he's he's played behind really good offensive lines in, in, his, in his time here, or, or lines that were at least good good run blocking lines. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what this one is going to look like by the time the first game comes around. So, um, it's like that. Da- in my mind, Dallin almost gets like overlooked because like Mayan and Trey are coming back. But there were times last year where I felt Dallin was the best running back. So like I don't if he if you want to make an argument for him to be running back one, like I'll listen to it. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought he was that good last year, and he's come back now, bigger and stronger and presumably faster than he was a year ago. Like I I think he got that opportunity. It whetted his appetite. He he understood he was successful last year while playing I think smaller than he wanted to play and probably just not having all the stuff mentally that he wanted to have, but he was still fairly successful. And he's the kind of person that once he has that taste, I think he's going to channel it in all the right ways to come back an even better player so they can be even more productive in year two. So, like, I'm kind of on the lookout for that. I don't, I don't know. And it's hard for, like, Tony Alford. Like, I don't I don't think he can have those kind of conversations with us. You kind of have to be careful about what you say publicly. But I think I've gotten the impression from him that, like, Dallin really showed him something last year. So I'm not – it sounds as crazy as it sounds like Trevion Henderson, five star running back, number one guy in his position in high school, coming back fully healthy. Like, let's go. I, it might be Dallin. Like, I, I don't know. I think that's what I'm also really curious about with Travion Henderson's season here and his offseason, the prep work. How much of that vision stuff that was maybe lacking at times a year ago was being caused by the foot injury? How much of it, you know, then. Is him not able to catch up on the reps that he missed? I think sometimes we have this conversation, and it's like Travion still not played a ton of football uh, because of missing his senior year of high school, and like how easy it also was for him to just run away from everybody else at the level, at the football that he played. You know, growing up there in Virginia, uh, you know that there were going to be you know important learning opportunities for him a year ago in terms of reading blocks, setting it up. You know, winning, knowing when to take two yards or three yards or, or anything, all the things that go into playing running back at a high level, you know, I don't know that the body of work is built up on that. And then if the injury also kept him from doing it the way that Tony Alford wanted or Ohio State needed, is he able to catch up to speed on that again now with all the hunger and stuff that we've talked about? Like, is it's not going to just be a physical question for him. There's other things that go into playing the position. Uh, that will be something that I think, answers the question. Dallin Hayden seemed more natural at that, to your point. Yeah, I don't know. The thing I have, I don't think I've ever asked Tony Alford, and maybe he's been asked it by other people in interview settings, is like, can you teach that? Can you teach a vision? Or is it just something you have or you don't? And if you don't have it, but you're a plus athlete like Travion is, sometimes you can just make up for it. Um, but can you actually enhance that throughout a player's college career? Uh, the answer is probably yes. To what extent, I'm not sure. But, yeah. but Dallin showed up, like, I think with it ready to go. Like, I don't, there's nothing about his game as it pertains to that, that I think like, Oh, he's got to get better at this, this, and this. I think he's really good at figuring out where he has to go very quickly. He just needs to get stronger so that if he gets to that point, there's a guy there, he can run through him. And I think that's the thing that's easier to build up over time. And, and I think like Mayan Williams has built that up. I would like to see Travion. There were times earlier in his career when I thought he, he was that guy. And then I don't know if it was, I think, I think it was fatigue that caught up to him at the end of his freshman year. And then last year, obviously he was hurt the whole time, but like, unless there was a, canyon for him to run through uh he wasn't busting those big hits because he just he's just having a hard time making guys miss so um i think that comes with him being healthy i think you are right 
I, I questioned at times his vision his freshman year, and it got much worse last year, but I think a lot of that is the injury. I don't I don't think it's like he got worse at it. I think he was just pressing, and he said that too. Like He was frustrated by his inability to do things that he can normally do, and then I think a byproduct of that was him putting himself in bad spots. In theory, that won't happen this year. So I don't, I don't mean to come off as thinking, like, saying like, oh, I don't think Trevion's good anymore. I think he's quite good, and right. I think I think he'll be super productive this year as long as he can remain healthy. But I don't think if 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 there's anyone who thinks it's like cut and dry, Trevion is a five star and he's healthy, give him twenty carries a game. Like I'm I'm not quite there yet. Um, I think it still needs to play out a little more to, to see who ultimately is is the lead guy. Yeah, that puts the pressure on you know Tony Halford to manage that. It's not going to be easy. This is. Probably the biggest challenge of his career at Ohio State. He's had, you know, others where it's two or maybe three guys to to debate, and we've had a lot of those conversations year year after year. I don't have a crystal ball. I'm going to wait through August and training camp, and it'll be subject to change if it's a backfield by committee or one guy takes a look. Like he's never going to say that in May, and there's probably not any incentive for him to do so. But he isn't of the assistant coaches. His name comes up, I don't know, maybe more than anybody else because. He can only recruit one or two or two and a half people at his position per year, and if there are misses, uh, he gets he takes a lot of criticism from that publicly. I think you look at the, the one side is like, okay, they may miss one year or two out of three years on a couple guys, but it's also not possible to have this running back room right. with five incredibly talented guys if he doesn't know what he's doing. He clearly knows what he's doing. Like If you're... If you're salty about not getting Bijan Robinson, like I get it, he's he's awesome. Like, yeah, he was he was very good. Uh, Ohio State, I think, did a did a very nice job of pivoting from that and getting a good back in that class with with my it was Mayan Williams here, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, I don't the way that Tony recruits, like he just recruits such a small pool of players. He could throw out 35, 40 offers at the running back position if he wanted to, I think. But he, that's just not the way he does it. He's really good at the relationship part of it. And I think he wants it to mean something. But the problem is that when Bijan Robinson decides to basically decommit on you, then you're kind of back to square one with with not many guys who you're, you're that far down the road with. And it seems like he maybe has adjusted a little bit this year. Maybe he's offered a few more and to make sure that hasn't happened. But the 2024 crop they're bringing in is, I think, is, is quite good with James Peoples and, and Jordan Lyle and, and Sam Williams-Dixon. We'll see if he ends up being a, a running back or not. But to have two, maybe three of that caliber, I think is really exciting because – this room will look vastly different next year. Like for all of our talk about how do you figure out five? Well, they're not going to have five next year. Either like Mayan and Travion are going to go pro or, or like they're all going to not go pro and then the guys are going to leave because they're not all going to come back to be in a five man running back room again next year. Right. So, so Tony has prepared them well, I think to, to, to um, bear the brunt of that when it happens. But in the meantime, I think you're set up really well this year and you're set up really well in the future with what he's done in the 24 class. I think, when it comes to talking about motivation for that group, it's not just for uh, you know Travion Henderson or, or Mayan to prove that he can be an early round NFL draft pick. I think that the, the leader of that group, Tony Alford, has got a you know a little bit different edge to him. You look at the level of success for the Ohio State rushing attack last year and all the challenges that they got to make it better from Ryan Day and like win in short yardage. Like it's not always on them. Because you have to block it too. Yeah, that's a key part. You also have to be creative with your play calling. I think there's an element of that that has to fall sure. on the shoulders of the the head ball coach as well from a year ago. But if we're looking at it collectively, and the run game was not, you know, at the level or the standard that Ohio State was expecting, then the running backs coach is going to take that personally. 
I think getting just the whatever it was, 3% cost of living raise <laughs> is another sign that, like, Ohio State wants more. They're pushing him to do more. Now, there's there's also a limit to how much you can pay a running backs coach, and he's almost at 800000 so uh, there's not a lot of room for that. But yeah. there could be if you go out there and you have the number one rushing attack in the country. Well, you're going to get paid a lot more. Um, but I think I do think – I only bring that up to say that I think he's another guy who's taking that challenge and that there will be no stone unturned in determining that five-man, how to manage it, you know, finding the things that fit best that he wants to run – with those guys and getting the most out of it this year, like I think it is a, a a key year for him and not just the not just the players in that room. I I agree with you, but but I also kind of feel like last year was maybe his best coaching job to, to, to get through what they got through. It's like, oh man, Travion injures his foot in his second game of the year. He's not himself the entire year. Mayan Williams is in and out of the lineup, and you're like, you got Dallin Hayden ready. To, yeah. Like if like. I don't know. Good job. Like, <laughs> well, and then you moved over a linebacker in the middle of the year. Yeah, right. So it's like I, I get it. Like the 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 way it played out last year was not how anyone envisioned it. And as it's happening, and part of this is the injury conversation we've had many times. Like as it's happening, you you are quick. I say you, we we are all quick to to criticize Tony Alford. Like, why aren't you maximizing this position? Well, it turns out that maybe he did maximize what was available to him last year with the injuries by getting Dallin Hayden and Chip Trainum and even Xavier Johnson to be very serviceable running backs for them in light of injuries to his top two guys. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, plenty of attention always going to be on the Ohio State running backs. It's, uh, I'm told, a Cadillac position in college football. We should bring that back. <laughs> I'm just going to drop a lot of old urbanisms into this episode. <laughs> He's been gone for five years now, but... He's always they stick in your brain. You cover that man for any length of time. The things he says are always going to be implanted, imprinted. I don't know. Both. Both, yeah. <laughs> so that feels like a good place to end uh, the podcast daily for Wednesday. We appreciate you joining us again. Uh, we'll be back. With, uh, Bill wrote about the wide receivers. He's, as that series rolls along. Maybe we'll get into that. Or it could be something else. I don't know. We'll see what happens. A little thing called we'll see. Uh, that, that's Bill. I'm Austin. Thanks for joining us on the podcast daily. We'll talk to you later.